Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello again, listener, and welcome to episode 222 of the Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Stephen Bradley filling in for Matthew Wade this week as he has done what he wants you and I every to do, which is f*** off. Short and succinct, so I'm going to try and be the Freddie Youngberg to his Unai Emery, hoping to, probably here to burst my bubble is Helen Tranton. Helen, how are you? I'm good, thank you. We have to first of all congratulate Helen. She hasn't been in since she's had baby number two. Are you okay? Yes, yes. Baby number two is safely ensconced on the season ticket waiting list. Although right now I'm not sure whether that's um, a, a, a prize or a punishment. That's, a, that's something to look forward to. You and I, Emery's thousandth game in charge when the, when the child is 16. Oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Oh. So th- things for the Arsenal this week have been, um, how would we put it, mixed. They've been bad and they've been awful. <laughs> I was going to say, where's where's the silver lining coming from? I don't know, and that might be the problem. I mean, we had the Thursday game, well, the Wednesday game, actually, against uh, Victoria Guimaraes, where... It was raining and conditions were awful, but Arsenal did their best to get a one-all and, and succeeded. And then we had the, I suppose, performance in air quotes against Leicester City, where for 53 minutes we were all employing the Alan Davis higher tone of, of voice, where we was going, oh yeah, yeah, Arsenal, yeah, not bad. And then decided not to play football for the next 35 minutes. Yeah. So what yeah. do we what do we do? Is it is it is this a case of where we just have to wait, like you know, we're like we have to wait for the vet to come and put them down, and we just gotta sit there and look at its beady eyes, and go, I hope you get better, I hope you get better, knowing full well that they're fucked. Yeah, I I think that's the thing. I, obviously, we went through all the strife of uh, Arsene Wenger's last rites over a rather elongated period, and I think at least people could see. The, see what was he was trying to do. You know, you could argue about whether you agreed with what he was trying to do, but you could understand where he was coming from, whether you were for or against it. I think with Emery, it's just it's impossible to see what he's even trying to do with this team. You know, I saw um, some statistics the other day that was comparing uh, Emery's first fifty games with Wenger's last fifty, bearing in mind how bad and I mean bad's not a strong enough word, how terrible everyone felt. Wenger's last 50 games were, he's outperforming Emery on every metric, you know, goals scored, goals conceded, shots allowed, shots, chances created, possession, all of those statistics were better in the last days of Wenger's dying empire than in the great what great new hope that's supposed to be Unai Emery. And I just, what what is he trying to do with this team? I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know I think he's trying it's like how I play football manager where I try a formation it doesn't work in one game I'll try something else if that doesn't work I'll try something else until I find something that the match engine can't, can't counter and then I just stick with that because I know it works yeah but that ex- that assumes that every team is the same as well yes because what works against you know a, a top six side probably won't work against a current park the bus side no but the reality is, so far, it's not working against any side. You know, we're losing to big teams and little teams and everything in between. Well, yeah. I say losing, I, you know, yeah. in, my, in my head, a draw's a loss. So, <laughs> But the thing is that... It is though, right? If, if you win a game and you lose a game, that's better than drawing two. So why are we drawing so many games? <laughs> the thing is, though, is that with the team selected against Leicester, 
apart from Kalashnak and swapping in Kalashnak for Tierney, if I was to tell you that Arsenal were going to line out Leno, Bellerin, David Luiz as a, as a middle centre-back in a three, with Honig and Chambers beside him, Tierney and Bellerin as the wing-backs, Torreira and Guendouzi in the middle, and then Ozil behind Lacazette and Aubameyang, most Arsenal fans would go, yeah, that'll do, sign me up. Yeah. But then he plays them in such a manner that Aubameyang and Lacazette are almost wide forwards instead of instead of through the middle. Like he's, It's like he's trying to copy Liverpool. Yet Liverpool have, in Mane and Salah, the, maybe two of the best three or four wide forwards in the game who love cutting inside. And we have Aubameyang and Lacazette who don't. Yeah. And, and it's just a... Playing a Firmino to play it often, that's not what Ozil does. No. <laughs> Not even close. Now, again, Ozil had an all right game, but so many times he was looking for runners through the middle and he'd look at Aubameyang was standing beside him on the left. And it's like... Uh, well, that, that is the number one thing you notice. So w- when you watch a game on telly, obviously you're only shown a very limited picture of what's going on. And where I sit um, at the Emirates, I'm behind, you know, almost directly behind the goal in the, in the North Bank, um, in the upper tier. And that allows you to see... The movement that's going on when someone picks up the ball mm. in the, or the, at the base of the midfield, and it's literally static. You know, if you compare it to, to Liverpool for sure, but also even to someone like Leicester, where you've got players making runs, looking to receive the ball, you know, in the channels, over the top, in the spaces in between the opposition's back four and and midfield. You know, when our our defenders look up and try and pick a pass, it's literally just static. And how do you fix that? Like that's the problem. Like, like clearly, the forwards are playing to a system that Emery wants them to play, which is to stand, receive the ball, and then run. Whereas we have a team that's built on movement, that needs runners ahead of them to create passing lanes to which the likes of Guendouzi and Ozil can find people. Yet, we have a manager refusing to play these players in a manner that suits them. It's just, it's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it reminds me a little bit though of sort of the logic behind letting Ramsey go last season was that he didn't fit Unite Emery's system. Well, A, what f***ing system? But B, your system should fit the players you have, not try and crowbar players into a shape that doesn't work. I'm just I'm just nodding here. Like, I don't want there to be too many dead silences, but like mm-hmm. we, we, the thing is, though, is that we've had this conversation before where we've looked at the team and gone, right, well, he can't play there, he can't play there, he can't play there. I said a year and a half ago, I didn't think mm-hmm. that Bobby Ag and Lacazette could play the same team. You know, and I'm absolutely certain now that you can't play Pepe, Aubameyang, and Lacazette in the same team. Never mind. See, Ozil. I'm not. See, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the best use of the players in the squad we have. Um, but I do think that if you had a more functional midfield that was able to find your forwards, there's absolutely no reason you couldn't play that front row. But it still means Aubameyang on the it left. Be a, yeah, I was going to say it might mean that you play Aubameyang wide when actually clearly he's very valuable through the middle. Um, but that's something that he, he's, he's still got the skill set to work wide it's just not necessarily the best use of him um, but I still believe you could you could use all three of those players at the same time if you wanted to um, and, and Ozil and Ozil is the uh, that becomes the slightly uh, slightly trickier question um, probably not against the top six side you'd have to say <laughs> that that's that's where that's where we probably we've got a very good squad but it's very it's full of square pegs and round holes again, where we've got players that are really good eights, really good sixes, but probably not a decent four apart from Torreira, where Emery doesn't want to play a five foot six lad as a number four. We've got 
two world-class number nines and we've got manager who really likes playing one we've got world-class number 10 and we've got a manager who doesn't like playing a number 10 at all we've got a a, wi- a right winger who cuts inside wow, and we've got a wow. you say you say that Stephen. i mean <laughs> i would argue he's been playing sebios as a 10 yeah this season so it's not that he won't play a 10 he just won't play the 10 yeah but i but you could argue that sebios is an eight Yes, you could do. You could do. You um, know, like, Sabias and Ozil in the same midfield would be sexy as hell. Yeah, I mean, the, the lightweight of this team defensively with every player you're adding to this front five is slightly scary. Um, you're kind of relying on Lacazette to get back and do a lot of defensive work to cover his uh, slightly less hard-working colleagues. Yeah, I mean, and he's able to do it. I mean, the, the word. It's just they're incapable, you know? Yeah, I mean, Lacazette... Is able to do it. He did it. Um, he did it against Leicester, where there was yeah. one. There was one time when Pereira, who's you know Leicester's right back, who's really bloody good, bombed past Kalashnikov, and Kalashnikov started jogging after him, and Lacazette from thirty yards behind him overtook him. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> Cola, get the fuck up the field and do your defending for fuck's sake. I have this this sort of weird, weird feeling with Kalashnikov because you look at him and you think. Compared to his teammates, he looks like he's built like a tank. Hmm. And then you go and look his statistics up, and he's like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm thinking, God, he's got to weigh 100 kilos if he weighs 50. Yeah, he is a he's a bit he's a he, he's a thick boy. Yeah, you're looking at him thinking, well, you can almost forgive him for being like slow and a bit sort of inconsistent with his recovery because he's carrying a bit of extra weight, which is what makes him good at what he does. And then you you read the statistics as I'm saying you're like, but he's not actually that big or that heavy. Yeah. Compared to a man on the street, he'd look very lean and athletic. Yeah, but compared to our you know scrawny lads in the middle of the field, it's like oh my god, he's a monster. Well, that's it. That's it. So um, I mean, you stand next next to Gendouzi, he has to be like I don't know, sixty five kilograms soaking wet. Yeah, tops. So like you yeah. see the amount of times a lad. I'm not about his hair. Yeah. You'll see the amount of times a lad will come up to him when he's got the ball. He'll just turn around and smack and he just falls to the ground. Like, he's not exactly the most physical presence in the middle of it. Now, he's 20, so he'll be able to put on a stone of muscle, but... Mm-hmm. I'll tell you my... Um, I, th- I really rate Gendouzi. I think he's a great player. Oh, me too. A lot of potential. But something I am at my wit's end over is his continual insistence on placing his hands on people's shoulders. <laughs> Like he's, he pulled back. Is it? I can't even remember. You know the the Leicester centre back. He's got a really weird name. Uh, That's the one. Um, pulled him back at a corner, and I think the fact that the ball had gone maybe saved his bacon because it was as blatant a pullback as you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not true. It wasn't as bad as his rugby tackle on there. Uh, oh, true. Yeah. Um, but that would be quite an achievement to go more blatant than that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he had that one. Then there was another one on the edge of the box where the guy he pulled back, they didn't end up playing the ball to him. Um, but he, you know, well, he didn't even pull him back. That's the silly thing. He's not even doing anything that actually makes a difference. But he's just putting his hand there and giving referees an opportunity. You know, it was a bit like um, the Callum Chambers penalty against Zaha. Mm. We just left a leg out. Yeah, gave him the opportunity. I don't reckon there was any contact, certainly not contact that brought him down. That was very much a, um, and I'm going to bounce on this trampoline and fly over your... <laughs> but it's a clear pain. Yeah, well, 
arguably. Yeah. You complete you can't expect not to have that given against you. No. But and he's he's still doing it. Moments, you know they are. Now those could be, you know, taught out of him. You know, as he gains experience he'll learn not to panic and throw his arms away as soon as as soon as the ball goes past him. You know, he will learn that. Yeah, well I I think part of him thinks he's being clever by doing it. So he's got away with it. Yeah. Like that might be there's, then the Zaha one, actually, because he got away with it, it was brilliant. Yeah. From us. I mean, from a footballing puristic perspective, I sit there and I cringe and think that should be a red card. Yeah, all day. No attempt to play the ball. There was no, no football in that. That was a pure cynical challenge. But the laws allowed him to get away with it, apparently. So he did. So he did. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it for that. <laughs> I just wonder, like that's that's my problem with how Arsenal move forward here because that was almost our best team, apart from Pepe yeah. and Tierney. That's our best team that we put out against Leicester. And never mind putting up a show for thirty-five minutes in the second half. They didn't even have a shot. So I watched. Um, I, I made the executive decision on Saturday evening that instead of watching the whole of the game. I would go and watch some fireworks instead. They seemed a bit more exciting to me. To I can't, can't criticise it. I, you know. Um, and admittedly, my husband was basically in tears rolling around on the floor because he'd had to suffer through Spurs, Sheffield United early in the afternoon. <laughs> I completely understood why he was desperate to get out of the house. Um, but so I watched, I watched the highlights as a result. And... Um, I think it was six minutes and 18 seconds of highlights on Arsenal.com in the sort of short highlights package. Yeah. And in the first half, Arsenal had one shot, which was Lacazette just past the post. And in the second half, Arsenal had two shots, which was Bellerin from distance and David Luiz from distance. Yeah. Which were described in the text as having gone close. I mean, <laughs> Luiz looked like he was at least five yards wide. And... Mm. Um, but to me, that was that just sums things up. You know, you've got six minutes of highlights and there's one chance and two half chances at best, which take up maybe 20 seconds of the highlights. And the rest of it is just wave after wave after wave of... Leicester attacks. I mean, <laughs> point, point at the side here that's supposed to be the, you know, the European heavyweight... I don't think one season in the Champions League is probably qualifying Leicester on, on that basis, is it? Uh, no, no. Although they have won the league sooner than us. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's that, that tiny little morsel. Oh, are we going to have to sit? It's, like, um, it's like after 2007 when we had to sit here and listen to everyone going, Spurs have won a trophy more recently. Yeah. But that's Mickey the... Mouse Cup doesn't count. No, it doesn't. But that, that like I said, that's the problem where... Look, I, I rate Brendan Rodgers as much as I rate the mouse pad in front of me. I, I don't. But he's got that team playing unbelievably well. Now, that team is stacked. You know, I would take half of it at Arsenal. You know, Ndidi, come here. Thielman's come here. Madison, nah, Madison's grand, but Sayonku, come here. You know, like, it's there's lots of players in that team that shouldn't be at a quote-unquote club like Leicester. You know, like, why Thielman's isn't at Manchester United, I do not know. <laughs> you know, like it, it they're well, they're stacked. <laughs> yeah. But that's like there are player if I'm looking at Leicester and going, Yeah, I'd like players in their club at Arsenal, 
yet we've spent big money on players ourselves and we're going, eh, I'm not sure. Like, that's that's not so much on Emery. That's on the lads above them. And as we've seen from their statements over the last couple of days, they're not exactly covering themselves in glory either. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, you look at our team on paper, though, and the attack is up there with the best attacks in the league. Hmm. It's just not functioning because it sits on top of a team that can't provide any measure of service or indeed intensity of pressure. Yeah. You watch that Liverpool City game yesterday. 100 mile an hour. Passing. Heck, even the speed of it, the power in the pass, yeah. right? The commitment that I can see where I'm going to play this. I'm going to play it at pace so that it will get there before a defence, A, had the chance to intercept it, or B, react to where it's gone and reset their position. And secondly, I'm going to trust that the person who's receiving the ball is good enough to actually control this pass. And then you watch our games where we're like tapping the ball around as if we're trying to roll it to a toddler. <laughs> and even, even then to the wrong foot. Well, exactly. It's, it's, I've lost count of how many times players played the ball to Leno's left foot. yards behind someone, you know? Uh, yeah. At the place they were 30 seconds before. Because guess what? Players move. <laughs> no, they don't in our team. Um, no, I've, I've said it before. Arsenal play with lag. <laughs> it's like playing fever on a, on a two-bar connection where you pass the ball to where the player is and then they're gone. And you're like, well, what happened? Yeah, no, the amount of passes that are behind a player are unreal. Yeah, but like I said, with, with the board coming out yesterday, now the, another statement came out today saying that you know, we're behind Emery 100%. It was very much more your archetypal vote of confidence than Sunday's you know, disaster of a statement where they said, no, we're 100% behind him and we're not going to listen to, quote, noise, unquote, that might, no. but that might affect the situation, which depending on which board member it came from, it felt very much the 2019 version of thank you for your interest in our affairs. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, in, in, in terms of message, it was okay, but in terms of tone, it was mm. absolutely awful. Oh. And it, it, just, it just reminded me that as much as we want to have faith in Sanlehi and faith in Edu and faith in, in those below Cronky both Josh and Stan, it just reminded me that they're still there. That no matter how much Sanlehi comes out and says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, he still needs approval from the two lads with a K in their name above him. And their MO on this is, let's wait and see, let's wait and see, might not be so bad, let's give it a year, maybe next year, you never know. That's where the bonkers part comes, because you understand giving someone like Ben a time when he's got the track history he has, track history, track record or history, Take your pick, not both. Um, and even when the shit was really shit with Arsene, three three FA Cups in four years, right? You know, for all the upset and, um, I guess, wishing he was gone that went on in some quarters from as early as 2014, you know, between 2014 and 2017, we were still turning in silverware. Hmm. You know, so really, it was just that last season mm. um, that that wasn't wasn't there as like a papering over the cracks, as it were. Whereas Emery's not done anything to buy him that credit. No, no, like the 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 argument for keeping Wenger was always, well, we might only be one step away if we can get a number nine in. 
that should fix it. If we can get, you know, there's minor issues that need fixing and he has the track record of fixing it. You know, we it's, yeah. it's a lot easier to trust a man who went unbeaten in the league season to then sort out a defence. And then when, it, when everything came crumbling around him, it's like, well, you know, we gave him time. He can't fix it, let him go. But like you said, yeah. he had won three of it. Emery had Aubameyang for the first full season. Yeah. And still scored and still nothing. You know, Emery, uh, Aubameyang's been bailing us out mm. long in this day. You know, what's the statistic? It was something like it was December 2018, the last time that we scored a goal or we, we won a game that didn't have either Lacazette or Aubameyang scoring <laughs> until like two games ago. Is it Joe? Joe Willick is our third top scorer since Emery started. With six, <laughs> like, but that's the thing. Like, like the the justification for keeping they all will be primarily in either Europa League or yeah, Cardinals. yeah. But that's the thing. Like, the justification for keeping Wenger was well, he's done it before. There's a chance he'll do it again. The justification for the biggest justification for keeping Embry since the start of the season has been well, let's wait for his fullbacks to come back. Yep, that's it. That's been that's been the biggest argument to keep Emery. Let's wait until Bellerin and Tierney come back. And every team should be highly dependent on one or two players. No, and look, Liverpool are very dependent on their fullbacks. But Christ, <laughs> they're doing it to win the league by eight points. We're doing it, and we're seven points behind fucking Leicester. Eight points behind Leicester and Chelsea. We're behind Sheffield United now, Stephen. With a, a goal difference of what is negative three? Minus minus one. Oh, it's only one. Oh. Yeah. Positive Manchester United is four. <laughs> you know, like but like United Emery's win rate is the same as David Moyes at Manchester United. It's worse than Andre Villas Boas at Tottenham. It's worse than Ho- than Louis Van Hal and Jose Brino at Manchester United. But it draws a positive result, didn't you know? <laughs> that to me, that statement just summed him up. Like, how can you come out with that sentiment? Yeah, and then say that Liverpool, that, that less like going to Man City away or something, and or, or Anfield, and being like, yeah, points a positive result. That in that context, I yeah. can agree with because yeah. let's face it, the last time we took a point at either of those places. Well, well, City in 2015, we won. But I can't remember the last time we took anything from Anfield, to be honest. 4-4? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> it's got, I think this, since the start of the Premier League, there's only been four teams that have scored more than four goals at Anfield, and it's been us all four times. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, um, our, our, I saw this the other day, I don't know if it's actually true or if it was some sort of spam, but um, Andrea Chavin has named his son Arseni. Apparently that's true. <laughs> Which is a fair compliment to pay. So, yeah, before we go, international break, do you think Unai Emery will still be in the club by the time Arsenal get back? Well, I, I can't see that anything is going to change that's going to change the situation. There's a difference between what I think will happen and what I'd like to happen, obviously. Well, what would you like to happen? Oh, well, I'd like him to go, oh, yesterday. <laughs> Any any preferences for a replacement, apart from a certain balding Swede? No, <laughs> um, I think for me it's just about. I almost don't care if we're still rubbish as long as we're excitedly rubbish. 
Like my yeah. worst nightmare is to hire someone who's functional. Mm. You know, as Mourinho, and I'm like, I can't think of anything worse. Not just because he'd ruined the club and he's a classless, horrible person, but his style of football is terrible as well, you know? And it's not like there's like anyone out there that's got quote-unquote Champions League winning pedigree. I mean... <laughs> I don't think we're in the space of needing Champions League winning pedigree. We're in the space of needing qualifying for the Champions League type pedigree. <laughs> we, need just, we need someone that, that'll get us into the top four every season. Yes, yes. Um, someone who's known for playing attractive football. Um, someone who knows the club inside out. Um, someone who, you know, the players will respect. Who, yeah, can't who's, who, who's been linked recently with other big European jobs. Yeah, highly desirable in the managerial market. Someone who's, you know, well, uh, well renowned and well, uh, well established within organisations like FIFA. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, someone. <laughs> so, there was a sixteen-year-old called up on six oh six, six six oh six, <laughs> six oh six, a couple of weeks ago, and said, "Oh yeah, I think we should get Wenger back." And um, the uh, whoever it was who was hosting that day was just like floored. Yeah, and and rightly so. But like, that's how desperate. I think that's how desperate we are right now. Where we'll take anything. Just like you said, as long as there's hope, as long as there's a vision, as long as there's like the prospect of attacking football and some decency, like that would do right now. Like our our bar is set so low. Like we are on we are on the rebound after a long term relationship. We're going into the club, and the first goal we meet will do. <laughs> Except that the first guy we've met won't do. It, well, the first, literally so yeah, far. Right Get the bouncers in, stiff arm him. <laughs> You, you're barred, get out. Exactly, forever, and take your hair gel with you. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know. I'd get fired from Daily Cannon for uh, discrimination against people who use hair gel. But I don't uh. know if any of us do, actually. <laughs> I mean, Lee doesn't, he's bald. Paul's too old. Oh, I think you might get, you might, you might be on stickier ground than me if you're calling Lee bald. Well, he's balding. <laughs> And look, if Freddie comes in, he's going to make Ball sexy again. So I guarantee you, Lee will shave his head in a week. Oh, you have to have cheekbones to carry that off, though. That's true. I have neither. Yeah, it's tricky. I like with Freddie. I I've got no idea how good he'd be. You, in your head, you're like, well, he was a great player. Oh no, he would be our Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. He, he, well, I don't think I want him to be our Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. No, but that would be the point. That would that would be the point of firing him. Exactly. It's but you you don't want to take a player who's legendary. And actually tarnish that a little bit if they're not up to it. But, you know, he's worked his way through. He's done his badges. He's done his time with youth teams. Um, you know, in an ideal world, he'd have gone somewhere else in between and got a bit of experience actually managing a football club. But, mm. yeah, who knows? Who knows? It's, it, it would be an appointment that would excite people anyway. It's, it's one of those where I'd love to hear what the likes of Henri and Vieira and Adams and Keon and Saul Campbell would all would all think when they think right we're going to get an ex player in and it's Freddie Youngberg. Well, yeah, but I mean, half the people you just mentioned have had terrible managerial careers. Saul's been all right. Sorry, Saul's been grand. Saul got oh, back yeah. his field town up. I was going to say, but that is a slightly different level, isn't it? And I said half of them, mm. not all of them. True. I, I, 
the suggestion that Thierry Henry would be upset at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> so far, only managerial experience has been uh, sobering. Not quite as sobering as Gary Neville's only managerial experience. But I mean, not... he was just as short. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, and, and just as successful. Gary Neville went, oh, well, I, I think I should go back. Fair play to him. He recognised straight away that it wasn't going well and he should go back to punditry. Yeah. And then Henri did the same. Well, it's, it's it's weird how it's weird how these things work out. <laughs> I just hope you know if Freddie does get the job, we don't see him in the Sky Studio by February. Yes, that's the fear. You know, as much as much we want him to succeed, but in giving Emery a year and a half and Freddie three months, that would be special, even by our standards. Can you imagine the noise then? Yes. <laughs> Oh, I have to say, I was very, very grateful to have missed the Crystal Palace game, if I'm honest. This baby got its timing bang on. <laughs> Miss, missed Crystal Palace and Sheffield United. Sheffield United? The, your, your baby literally did a, a granite jackie. He went, no, I'm out. Screw you. <laughs> Get me out of here. I'm done. <laughs> I know that. Much, yeah. And on that note, we'll 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 let you go, Helen. I know I know you got the baby behind you. Thanks for joining us as always. Pleasure. And yeah, international football next week, Lister. Happy days. It's it's going to be one of those weeks where we just stand by and hope for a comunicado aficionado from Arsenal in the next week and a half. Fingers crossed. Eh? We'll talk to you next week, Lister. Good luck. Bye.